Before we get started, please take the time to like, add, and subscribe to our pages on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and iTunes. Also, please leave us a review. We can wander our way over, you know, because this is Wolfram Ways. What's Bigfoot possibility? Clink. What's up? What's up, everybody? It is the sun is shining. The birds are chirping uh, really early. They've been chirping at like four in the morning out here for some reason. I didn't even know Brew birds bed. do that. But I'll put it on the Instagram tomorrow. But <clears throat> no, it's another wonder, wonderful day with the Wandering Ways crew. I am the Reverend Mark. And with me, as per usual, the guy who wears a upper left USA uh, good thing uh, we know what that means is the upper <laughs> upper left what, Alaska. Okay, uh, it's Ranger <laughs> Zach. It's the Pacific Northwest, the G the GPNW, the Great Pacific Northwest, as as you may know, as where you are located, kind of, sort of, Southern Oregon. We'll count it. They count Northern California. In I know. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's when you really look at it from Northern California to basically alaska the salmon people right matt was telling me but that the sacramento river there in the bay area because we just got back from the bay um that 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 river is kind of one of the last major like salmon rivers in the you know uh, going north yeah. is, it kind of begins there goes north and kind of the cultural differences change and that kind of begins for that native people um you can definitely hear more about that on a native podcast with matt and zach um mm-hmm. Coming out on Tuesdays in the 2023 fall. So be ready for that. There you um, go, everybody. But no, you're, 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 what's up, my guy? It's been good. We got a good episode. Speaking ahead. of, I, I needed uh, you and Matt uh, last night. I went, I uh, <clears throat> went to trivia night, uh, a rare outing for me. Um, and the final question was a question about, uh, the two chiefs at uh, Custard's last stand. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, let's battle a little bighorn, not Custard's last stand. Did you really? <laughs> I said it out loud. I didn't raise my hand, but I did say, uh, let's battle a little bighorn. And <clears throat> I was actually a little preemptive because <laughs> it was like category. It said Custard's last stand. And then when they showed the question, they mentioned battle a little bighorn. Oh, I feel yeah, but still, no. Custer's last stand more like his his idiotic move that that's what that's what some of that just American selfishness gets you. Yeah, he he wanted to be president and he's going to go do his thing and go get killed by a bunch of Indians and not even know like how great is that the Seventh Cavalry, your great leader, don't even know where he's at in his day. <laughs> They think he's buried there. There's so many stories. There's so many tribal stories. Like they took Mr. Yellowhair and did this and that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was known. Um, but it's yeah, it's crazy. It's that that's a whole chapter, different chapter. But is it? I just gotta ask, man. Is it smoky out by you? Uh, it was a little bit. When was that? Wednesday. It was a little smoky, uh, just enough to where you could smell it. But outside that, 
air's been pretty good. Well, because it's these Alberta fires are pretty bad. They got bad here in Billings the last couple of days, and it's actually Sorry. starting to affect me. I can kind of feel it, you know, just how how that smoke does that to you. Mm-hmm. And I, it's something with that fire smoke, man. It's and it's intense. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures or videos from Alberta, but it's 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 up there. It's going wild. Um, like people are, it's like kind of COVID. Don't leave your house again. In that sense, like that's how bad the smoke is. Damn. Yeah, they're evacuating cities, towns. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, and I, I question it because it's May. This is happening in May in Canada in May. Yeah. Not August, not September, right? And you're looking at this. I think we're going to have a hot summer. I think we're going to have a dry summer. I think it's. it's that was a it's, wet winter, though. Okay, but it. You know what? It also was a wet summer last year. So what does that mean? You have all this growth, all this. No, that's growth. true. That if a fire does happen, but you would think because it's a wet winter that it wouldn't hit right away, that it would dry. It would need to dry out a little bit before. Well, that's what's scary. Yeah. Well, and, we're well, just gonna have to wait and find out. Well, and I'm thinking you look look ahead, right? You you burn up all the moisture on the ground, all the green on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're in for a dry, cold, cold, cold winter ahead as well. With yeah, maybe. I don't know. I ha- I haven't read my farmer's almanac this year. <laughs> you just need, no, you just need me and Matt. We got you. We'll take care of you. I never listen about the weather from Matt. He just follows it. Yeah, because Matt, he li- Matt be just literally goes off of the one like, that he has on his phone that is the weather for him well yeah but you should have seen him in the bay because he was he was studying that whole peninsula there down there and how like the fog kind of moves in on the san francisco side and kind of the half moon bay side but then like the more you go towards uh san jose the more it uh like warms up the more especially the more east you go it's just interesting and he was he was really fascinated by that but that's also because he has family on that east side. Um, so there's kind of why. Your why. Uh, there you but, go. But it was interesting because I didn't know San Jose is like the 10th largest city in America. Yeah. Um, California has a lot of people, man. <laughs> no, I know. I, I didn't, But I didn't realize San Jose was that big necessarily. Uh, especially when you go to the airport because the airport's interesting. It's different. Um, yeah. Because it's it's just, it's definitely just like a, a destination kind of airport. Like you're not, you're not tra- changing planes or anything like that. It's in and out. Um, yeah, it is. It's very much, uh, you're just, you kind of just don't want to go into San Francisco when you like, you've chosen to go to that area and you don't right, want to go right. into San Francisco. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why Matt was marking off San Francisco, but we were able to see the golden gate, which is a national parks property. The uh, Golden Gate's really cool. It is. It really it's a huge in reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you look at that metal and that steel, and then you're like, and then you put like the cars by it. And you're like, that that is a feat when you look at that American grit of feats. Um I don't I don't know. And I got I got some homework for the wanderers right here because it this kind of goes hand in hand, you know, when you look we talk about those American feats. The Patagonia series, Damnation and Artificial, 
Um, it's spelled A-R-T and then fish, F-I-S-H-A-L, because it's about the salmon fish hatcheries. And then the damnation is about dams. And when you look at that, like, American grit of, like, building things like that, you know, when you look at some of that stuff, it's like, we did this for ourselves. We did this for man. We don't necessarily think about what it does to the natural environment around it. Um, so it's interesting because, like, a bridge, you don't necessarily think that. Um but when you see a bridge of that massive size, like it's, it's huge. Yeah. Is that your first time seeing it? No, I've been to San Francisco um, three times now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. We went, we went for the, the Emerald bull in 07. Okay. Um, and then I actually filmed a commercial there in 2003. Uh, and that was the first time I was there as a kid. We filmed a commercial there. Ah, uh, Okay. Yeah, I've I've seen it a ton of times. I've driven across it a ton of times because when I worked at Humboldt and we'd go play San Francisco State or when we were flying into uh, uh, in and out of San Francisco, you see it because it's right on the old one on one. Right. No. And it's 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 neat. I'm glad we because Matt kind of didn't want to drive up there. And I'm like, dude, we got the time. Like, what else are we going to do? Just sit in our hotel room and do nothing, you know? And yeah. He was like, let's get out there. Let's explore, you know, because he just wanted to do that half moon bay. And I was like, well, let's just keep going up the highway. It goes all the way up here. And it's interesting how it really that Bay Area is interesting. Because San Francisco is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The The coast of California on that area is its own thing. The hills are their own things, you know, because you have the redwood trees. And then when you get into the different cities, like you're you're you have your definitely your techie area, kind of where we were in the Mountain View, Palo Alto area, Menlo Park, you know, that's definitely very techie. And then you get like your San Jose, which is definitely a like I would call the suburb of San Francisco, you know, just kind of how everyone kind of like lives. It almost seems like a similar life. You know, they all go to like the the same kind of high school that you see on TV. Yeah. Like, and it's interesting how that bay works out. And then you have Oakland, you know, which is very like rough in places. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that's a generalization for all those places, but when you when you go to that area and you kind of see that, it's interesting. Um it, and it's cool. I mean, that's what makes the Bay Area cool. I mean, it's such a it's a neat part of the US, and I see why people like to check it out. I see why it's a popular place to live as well. Yeah, that and there's there's just it's a big area, lots, lots of people. Um, it, it's kind of cool. Did you go by, was it AT&T Park? No, we didn't go down there. Matt didn't really want to go into San Francisco downtown. So we just kind of did the Golden Gate Bridge on that northwest uh, side yeah. and then got right back on the 101 from there. Um, so it's all right. You know, we we got into a little bit of driving around like the like houses that were kind of near downtown, which was really cool. Um, and like I've been there before. I've been to AT&T Park. Uh, it's a good, good, cool stadium. Really nice stadium. Um, yeah, that area is kind of cool. Th- that yeah, that down by the the bar, the harbor mm-hmm. there, kind of. Yeah, um, um, it's really cool. But it's a really cool area. It is. It is. We're not here to talk San Francisco and the Bay Area. Actually, we're not even here to talk West Coast today. No, we're here. To continue on the ABCs of the National Parks, moving on to our last C, big big move here today. Our last C with the uh, Cuyahoga 
National Park in good old Ohio. Very muddy, very, very, very muddy. A lot of mud is what Subpar Parks has to say. So someone went when it was raining. Um, so Right. And that makes sense for your Midwest Great Lakes area, depending on the time of year you're going in that area. Um, Cuyahoga, nice national park. I, I've actually been there. Um, first timer. No, just a one timer. Um, <laughs> it was when I was living in Cincinnati and I was like, what am I going to do today? So I decided to go to Cuyahoga National Park and I drove all the way to the park and I drove, you know, did this, did that. Um, first stopped at a visitor center, kind of got oriented. And I kind of got an understanding of the park that it was kind of a historical park more so. Like there's a lot of history there uh, because you're smack dab in between Cleveland and Akron, which to me, when you're out in the like that area, which Cleveland and, and Cincinnati, in a weird way, are East Coast cities. They're on East Coast time zone. Uh, they operate kind of in that sense. They're busy. They got a lot going on. Um, so it was interesting to like, because it's weird how like houses border the park in a way. You know what I mean? Oh. Like you, you're backed up, like you kind of run it. You can run into like suburban neighborhoods at 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 like different parts of the park. You really uh, feel like it's a park. There's you know, aspects, a... though. There's parts of it. And I, I did get to drive around because there's some good hiking trails. There's some good waterfalls. You know, Brandywine Falls is like one of the big ones that they they put up there. Um, I, I did like a little hike, you know, just like the point four miles because I ended up doing something late. I went to a baseball game later in the day. Um, and then I and then I drove back to Cincinnati. So I, I really Here's that brandy wine falls on the postcard that I put up. Yeah, no, it's a uh, and that's kind of the 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 every person that was like, you need to go see brandy wine. You need to go see brandy wine, you know, kind of thing. I didn't. I think it was kind of out of my way because it is a different, you know, there it, it the roads are interesting how they run through the park. There's like a big kind of like highway bridge that runs through the park. It's not a nice mm-hmm. bridge. Like they, they did a good job. There's like the rivers. It's also like the canal system that was used back in the early days for shipping stuff. That's part of the park. So that kind of falls into the history aspect. So you got like these canals. Um, it's interesting. Um, but there's good, there is good hiking. And it, it's interesting that it's close to... Um, like a town like that. So if you're in that area, you can easily go see it. You know, it was established in 2000 as the 56th <laughs> national park. I know that's a, so it's a young one. It's a yeah. real uh, young park. Uh, 32,570 acres um, gets uh, how many let's see here it receives more than 2.2 million recreational visitors uh, visits each year, making it one of the most visited national parks in the U S Highest elevation of 1,170 feet and lowest elevation of 590 feet at the Cuyahoga River. Um, it was established as a national recreation area, though, in 1974 and then became a national park in 2000. So, Right. And it interesting enough when you talked about the elevations, right? Because when I drove into the southernmost visitor center, I believe when I was there, there was like a ski resort 
and it was kind of like a little dinky ski resort on a hill, you know, maybe with like four or five runs, you know, I'm compared to the, comparing it to like Big Sky and some of these like Jackson Hole and these Montana ones, right? Mm-hmm. Which is completely different. So it's just interesting to see that, um, that that was there too. Cause I was like, they get snow, but you do hear, I guess, of those lakefront snows, um, which also this park offers stuff to do in the winter. Um, I well, it thinking. makes sense why they get snow because all that cold air from Canada is coming down and there's nothing to stop it there. Well, in those great lake, they say those great lake like winters and that I actually got to experience one when I was in Michigan one time, just the way because it's that really wet snow that just piles up and it's like, OK, you got eight inches all of a sudden. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Not into it, he says. Not into it. No. Um, the Ranger tip. Right. So if, this is the Ranger tip from Santa Monica. It's more than just a stopover. Many visitors treat Cuyahoga Valley as a stopover and only make time for the short hikes in the main attractions like Brandywine Falls, Blue Hen Falls, Beaver Marsh. Taking little, a little extra time can reveal some of the best features. Take the full ledges loop and it will take you past Icebox Cave. This is home to bats and it allows much closer inspection of the ledges than simply visiting the overlook at sunset which is also great too beaver marsh has a lot to offer if you take your time morning and evening is best for wildlife but sitting and taking in the views for a while will usually reveal quite a few birds and all sorts of aquatic life even an elusive beaver fox or raccoon there you go a lot of fun uh a lot of fun. I actually, I, I'm willing to bet this is one of those parks where if you really dive into it deeper, you're going to see um, quite a bit. Um, well, so I would say I'm really I mean, not surprised. You're familiar with like the parks in your like seaside area or even your Ashland area. Now, even uh, Eureka when you live or in McKinleyville, when you live down there, kind of. And I, I, I take like Billings, uh, you could even take Corvallis, you know, places I've lived where, where you have those parks nearby. And I guess it would make sense if you're in that Cleveland area of like saying like, oh no, let's, let's go here. Let's, let's go for a hike today. I think you're just, it's one of those hikes where you're going to run into people all day long, you know, and that's yeah. why the wildlife is limited to like some of the smaller species of mammal. Um, But definitely, yeah, like. Like I think of like the rims here in Billings and just the way like all the trails up there that I can go on. And there's certain ones if you keep going back on, you're not going to run into anybody. But the common ones, you're going to see people all all day long. Um, Yeah, that and, you know, why it's one of the more or why I theorize it's one of the more visited parks is because it's so close to Cleveland, which is a major city. So, you know, it makes sense. You know, if you're looking for something on the weekend, you pop over there for the day or something to go hike around, prop, try, you know, frolic around in the park. So it kind of when you're when you got the parks that are like close to those like heavily populated areas, the visitation goes up like wild. Yeah, it's when you say it's most visited and I can get why they would make it a national park, maybe to give it some funding to take care of that area. In- well, fun fact about it. There's no interest fee, so you don't have to pay to get into the park. Yeah, but our tax dollars pay for. Oh shoot! Here's a here's a penny. Here's a penny. Well, no, exactly. But all those pennies add up when you have three hundred and thirty million of them. You know, and it it pays for an employee salary at 
Cuyahoga. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you got people work in the visitor centers. Yeah, which, I mean, which we're very they need more funding, really. Um, the one right, uh, honestly, and uh, but but Deb Holland, she's doing a good job with with our national parks. I I do got to say that. Um, I do think with this park in particular, I didn't see a lot of the native history when I was there. And that was something I, I personally look for in parks, you know, which, you know, is few and far between, uh, more so out West and East. And I mean, they mention it, but it's still kind of like our history textbooks teach us not like the actual history of what happened. Um, and I just, it's interesting because that area is one of those areas where, you know, there was a lot of tribal people like Ohio doesn't really have tribes, but how do you have like the serpent mound there and all those burial mounds like all over like the Ohio, you know what I mean? Well, like, here you go. One of the facts that I found about Cuyahoga is according to the National Park Service, the first inhabitants of the Cuyahoga Valley were likely Paleo-Indian hunters who followed caribou and other Ice Age ma mammals into the area about 13,000 years ago. These early inhabitants did not live in permanent villages, but instead moved around following game and gathering seasonal food. They probably lived in movable shelters such as tents made of tree branches covered in animal hides that could be packed up and moved after days, weeks, or months in a particular camp. So, you know, it sounds like maybe it was more of a nomadic stop. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go to the burial mounds that are, are there and and look at I mean, that might maybe more so up north on the Great Lakes. You're going to get that nomadic because of the, the weather. Um, But when you look at Ohio as a whole, the mound building culture, man, that that was one of the largest like epicenter markets when you look at the historical native trade routes, you know, and just the way they would go. Um, but yeah, I mean, even this, the, the, the Cuyahoga comes from the Iroquois word and the Iroquois are the natives that are in New York along, along the great lakes, essentially. So they would, you know, they live and they all kind of speak the same language group along the great lakes there. Uh, and it comes from the word crooked. So like crooked river, crooked Creek. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that that the Cuyahoga's crooked crooked river. So, I mean, fascinating. Uh, always fascinating to see the history of it. Well, it it was interesting because living over there, I I you know I it, you know you're that young college age where you're you're you want to explore and see a lot of stuff, you know. And and every weekend, I made it kind of my goal. So you kind of learn about the Ohio history too. And and this park, I know. I want to say had something to do with the Rhine river, which flow, I want to say flows between Cleveland and Cincinnati and helped with like a lot of the shipping back in the day, because they, they used to ship as a way of like shipping goods, you know, on actual ships, hence the term shipping. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, they're yeah. Able to, and they're able to move them up to the great lakes and then out the Hudson and out, you know, all the ways the way they were doing out to the East, the Atlantic, whatever. Um, and it's just interesting how that history was there and how it kind of ties into this park, you know, and then they even, even the, the railroad, you know, they have a lot of railroad, uh, history. There's even a railroad you could ride around, uh, in this park today. And 
when you look at the railroad history of this country, and really a lot of America was built by railroad. And it that is, you know, if you're into that history, this you know, it's part of this part. Yeah, I will railroad history is very, very interesting. Um to... I know Ranger Alexander is a fan. Shoot him a message. I didn't know he Ranger Alexander was a fan of railroads. Oh, he's a, he's a nerd when it comes to sense. We may have to have him on for a railroad episode now. <laughs> just just talk all railroads. Well, shoot, fire up the engine and let's chug that in the conversation. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I found another fact here actually that kind of goes into those mounds that you're talking about. Oh, cool. Um, so. One of the more interesting facts about it, it about Cuyahoga is uh, the fact that the earliest peoples to inhabit it, the Cuyahoga Valley were not a part of any settled civilization. More recent Native American cultures in the Cuyahoga Valley, however, did build long-term villages and much more. One such people was the Hopewell culture, which is famous for its mound building. Hopewell culture reached Northeast Iowa or Ohio about 2,100 years ago. They lived in scattered small villages in the valley's fertile floodplains. The Hopewell culture was not a tribe or a group of people who lived uh, in the same place, but rather a culture that existed across a large area. A Hopewell culture settlement typically consisted of one or a few families living in rectangular homes with nearby gardens. They were hunters, fishers, gatherers of wild plants and foods, but they also grew a number of domesticated plants in their gardens, including sunflower, squash, goosefoot, and maygrass. Uh, so it sounds like they were nomadic kind of in the same spot <laughs> well right and they nomadically got there i think is too is this yeah. earlier people and which is you know it, it all goes back to the clovis people um and another great documentary to watch is the the great human odyssey on pbs uh it gets it really gets into that that the clovis people coming over the land bearing street and spreading out into americas because if you look at like 97 percent of native dna it can be traced back to the Clovis people who are attributed to that. But you're talking thousands of years ago. And then even the tribes in the sense that, you know, everyone has that birth story of we came from this land, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Lakota people have, you know, we came out of wind cave. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that you have that. Um, I do recommend if you're in that area, another national, I don't know if it's a national park or a national like monument. I believe it's net, probably a national monument. Uh, the if it, Fiji mounds in Iowa, right on the Mississippi River. So right on the like Iowa, I think Wisconsin border is where it's at. It uh it's it's more mounds, but what they did was they actually got rocks and boulders and traced out some of the mounds like animals. And these are and what's interesting is like around the area there's burial mounds, which are unmarked, and these mounds don't have any bodies in them. They've done like scans and stuff. Um, oh, interesting. Same with, I believe, the Serpent Mound in Ohio, which is closer to Cincinnati. And the Serpent Mound, um, you know, built like a snake. And we actually, I, I saw a snake when I was there. So I got to document that. Now, 
it was interesting. No, there was. It was really cool. A black snake on the on the like pathway while we were walking around it. Um, this isn't national park ground. It's like a private park. I want to say. Um, oh, they interesting. Got an interesting collection of Native American artifacts. They kind of had like a powwow thing going on. Uh, it was like two dancers, um, and the people were coming to watch. It was it was all right. Um, I went over, checked it out. Um, but the serpent mound, each bend of the mound, right? goes to the summer solstice, the winter solstice, uh, the fall equinox, the spring equinox, right? Right. So if you're sitting in them, you would be able to see, right? So yeah. you go up to the Bighorn Medicine Wheel on the National Forest Land in the Bighorn Mountains, right? There's the is the medicine wheel, right? It's all spread out. But there's like the main shoots along it. Those line up with the solstices in the different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, so we I mean, that always makes sense because, you know, sundials, it's how we used to tell time. We used time, time of year. Everything was based on positioning of the sun and all that. So, yeah, but we're taught native people are savages. They're uneducated. They didn't come from anywhere. You know what I mean? So it's, oh. defeating, it's defeating that and realizing that these were cultures and societies participating in these areas. When you look at like this Cuyahoga Valley and these mound builders, you know, and, and the way that they would interact with this park, you look at like Portland, it's built over the villages. They built them over the villages. So I'm sure okay. Cleveland would have been an ancient village. Uh, Cleveland still feels like an ancient village to this day. <laughs> have you been? No, I've never been. I just talk a lot of shit, actually. Again, going back to uh, that trivia, uh, right. That I went to last night in the sports section, one of the questions was which uh, major city uh, or team uh, has not won a Super Bowl and their city has not hosted a Super Bowl. And Detroit? I remember sitting there going, uh, I've, I went, well, the Cleveland Browns suck and Cleveland sucks as a city. So I'm guessing Cleveland Browns. Sure yeah. enough, Cleveland Browns. Oh, I, my other guess was Detroit. No, Detroit's hosted a Super Bowl. Oh, because it's indoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that, and I think when they built their stadium, like uh, when they first got rebuilt, I think they hosted it like either the first year or the second year it was built. Typically, they do that with these newer yeah. stadiums. Um, but getting um, back into Cuyahoga Valley, a shimmering river weaves through the Cuyahoga Valley in northeastern Ohio. Verdant forest, bubbling waterfalls, mossy boulders. A wide array of wildlife furnished the valley in splendor. Most Americans probably didn't realize there's a national park just outside Cleveland, but locals flocked to this hidden gem of natural beauty. Gently winding out of Lake Erie, the Cuyahoga River was once primarily a trade route for ships heading towards the Gulf Coast via the Ohio and Erie Canal. Engineers constructed a 101-mile-long towpath trail for donkeys and horses to tow ships through the canal's various locks. The North and South Riverside Pathway is just a now a go-to attraction for the park visitors seeking a quiet stroll or bike ride. So there's good bike ride opportunities. I do remember that seeing like the like paths were really nice paths um, and then learning about that canal system for the shipping. Yeah, I, I can imagine the biking is pretty good out there, the cycling out there. In need of LED lights for your vehicle? Look no further than our friends at Oxteo. 
keeping our vehicles well lit while on the road while looking for Bigfoot. Make sure to use code RUGARU, R-U-G-A-R-U, on your next set of LED lights. Hey, hey there, Reverend. Um, I heard that you might be running dry on your sticker supplier. Yeah, I've been looking around and I've kind of like run out of cool stickers to buy and put on water bottles and stuff. Well, I, I mean, have you seen the stuff Josh has been coming out with lately? No, I have not. Well, he is doing some really cool stuff with the Shop LS574. Yes, they're working with indigenous communities and making some really cool stickers. Um, he has a really cool buffalo mountain sticker. There's even water bottles, hats, sweatshirts, the whole swag. And we even got a discount code for you guys. Yes, if you use Wandering Ways at Shop LS574, you're going to be getting a discount on your next purchase. But not only that, you're going to be giving a percentage of that sale to the Little Shell Tribe, as well as they donate a dollar of every sale to murdered and missing Indigenous women. So just such a cool thing going on there. You know, you use the code WANDERINGWAYS, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G-W-A-Y-S, and you put that in there, boom, you're getting a discount. The Wild West is full of dangers, from snakes to bears. The outdoorsman must be prepared. That is why when you experience rivers like the San Juan or the Yellowstone, you must bring a blue ribbon net. Handcrafted and biodegradable, these classic wooden fishing nets are all you need while on the river. Make sure to use code RUGARU10 when checking out at Blue Ribbon Nets. Again, the code is RUGARU10. R-U-G-A-R-U-1-0. Yeah, Cuyahoga National Park, cool place. I mean, kind of, well, I want to see all the national parks, so I'm not going to say, like, I want to go, because, of course, duh, I want to see all the national parks. Um, but it's full of a lot of cool shit. And speaking of cool shit, it's time for my absolute favorite segment, uh, Cool Shit in Nature. Um, opening up with two as per use. First one up, going to the fun here. Fun zone. Absolute stunner. Bunch of seals. Love me some. I love the ocean. Been hanging out outside in the sun, making me want to go to the beach. So uh, I thought, what better way to celebrate that than to have videos of seals just getting topsy-turvy in some, wa in some waves. Yeah, it's fun to watch these guys like spin in the waves and and kind of jump through. Yeah, you know, like you can tell they're enjoying it. Yeah, they're definitely like, "Oh, dude, you just get in and you're just like, whoopah, whoopah, just so pitted." Well, and it's funny because like we look at animals and act like, "Oh, they just do things." Like animals have personalities. Animals like to have fun. They like to enjoy things and you know catch catch some gnar sometimes. You know. <laughs> exactly yeah no animals do love to get catch the nar nar every once in a while <laughs> so uh second one it's not animals catching the nar it's a black panther and the caption says it's hunting you but um that's up for your interpretation when you're watching this i mean it's absolute gorgeous cat it is. I mean, I like kitty cats, you know, all sorts and sizes, the way they move. It's hilarious that, like, 
you watch a leopard, a panther like this, your house cat, they all kind of have that same that still stillness the way they move like this when they're stalking you. Um, but to see it on like an all black cat like this, that is, you know, a Panther is really crazy and cool to see. It is. I mean, I love seeing the videos of like uh big cats, like doing the same kind of shit your house cat does where like it gets spooked and they like jump and do that, like jump that like all cats do when they're like scared and all that. Right. Yeah. I was <laughs> They're good. They're I get funny. a kick out of it. They are. Uh, anyways, moving back to good old Cuyahoga National oh, Park there. I got a good story here. It's, I got a good story here. And it's about this park. You know, we were talking about Cleveland. We hear, we knew about the Industrial Revolution. We knew about the dirtiness of the Great Lakes, of our river systems. You know, the Ohio River still has issues to this day. Um, with other things too, getting dumped in it. But like you hear that, you hear about like the the rivers in New York, the East River, and and uh, I'm trying to think the other river. There's the East River and then the other river, but those- I I don't know my rivers out east. Yeah, it's the main one. <laughs> but some New Yorker, let me know. Message us below. Um, but I'm gonna get into it through a serene today, Cuyahoga Valley National Park is a living reminder that unbridled production has consequences. Throughout the later half of the 1800s, Cleveland's shipping industry boomed, choking the river with boat traffic and sewage. Wildlife soon fled from the toxic waters, oozing with chemicals and waste. Several times, the Cuyahoga even caught fire, earning it the ominous nickname, The River That Burned. In 1969, after a scathing article by Time Magazine, about Cuyahoga's pollution, local residents and environmentalists responded in what would be one of the most dramatic environmental turnarounds in American history. Washington passed clean water laws, and Congress set Cuyahoga Valley aside as a national recreation area in 1974. Mass cleanup projects began all over the valley, and Ohioans worked tirelessly to bring bring the land back to life. Their rehabilitation efforts paid off. Cuyahoga Valley became a national park in 2000, and a wide variety of plants and animals now occupy the landscape. Once more, river otters, tundra swans, turtles, white-tailed deer, blue herons, and even bald eagles all dwell along the Crooked River. As a part, Cuyahoga Valley represents America at our worst and at our best. Failure and redemption. It is a landscape rescued from America for America. Yeah, it sounds like... uh... We were like, oh, crap, if we uh, don't change, we're going to ruin this area. So they're like, make some laws, set this land apart, and uh, let's try and uh, make up for it, uh, which we're probably still trying to make up for those mistakes then. <laughs> Honestly, but it's good to see, because like when I was there, I mean, it looked like a nice park. It looked like it was well kept. I, well, I did go on a rainy day, so it was a little muddy. Don't get me wrong, but... It was fun. I, I think actually there's a video. If you check out old, old Quartz Lake Productions, throwback Damn. stuff. I do think there's a Cuyahoga Valley or Zach in Cincinnati video somewhere on the Wandering Ways YouTube channel. If you want to check it out, kind of see see what I saw firsthand. <laughs> That's uh, 
that's you got to dive into the deep dark archives, uh, which there are some gems back in the uh, in the archives. So it's it's worth going. There are actually some really good videos back uh, in there in the early days of Quartz Lake. It really is. It really is. But what's also good about Cuyahoga Valley, and this one is right up your sleeve. Yes, Reverend, I'm talking to you. The sustainable farms at Cuyahoga uh, Valley. Uh, for a lesser known experience, tour the dozen farms affiliated with Cuyahoga Valley. These aren't historical sites focused on blacksmith demonstrations and old-fashioned agriculture, though you'll find that too independent independently operated hail farm and village inside the park. Instead, there's small privately run sustainable farms dedicated to preserving the Midwest agriculture landscapes and lifestyle. Drop by Sarah's Vineyard for an example of any time during regular hours, but be sure to call ahead before visiting any of the other farms. Okay. I mean, I do love a good farm. I love good sustainable farming too. So, I mean, uh, it'd be worth it, you know, at least for the fruit, well, you know? Well, it's interesting because it, it sounds like this park, ha it's almost like a time capsule in various different ways of what it is preserving, kind of this, the different histories. You know, you have like the farming histories, uh, you have like the blacksmithing histories, they're talking about the ag histories. But I even saw right here, right? You can hike through a rocky gorge, but also attend a concert, ride a scenic railroad, then find your golf swing or explore a beaver hab habitat in the morning and then admire art at an old repurposed gas station in the afternoon all in this one park yeah i mean what was it uh you know the the national parks you know we we think of them as like trying to keep like areas pristine and sharing those areas but like they're for right. recreation too there's their meant purposes is like recreational, like Olympic. You can ski at Hurricane Ridge in the winter, you know. So, like these different recreational activities inside these parks, where you're like, oh, that seems odd that we would have that, like in a national park and not just like you know national forest area or whatnot. But no, you know, the national parks are for everyone to do what you want and enjoy because it's our land we're all we all live on it we're here to have fun in it so having that variety one makes sense and two you know that adds to the beauty of it well and to take care of it because because we know people wouldn't take care of it if we if we didn't set aside that mm -hmm. um and to preserve it because like yeah exactly you can go snowmobiling in yellowstone park yeah you know, there, there's all these crazy things in, in this park. You can't go camping in Cuyahoga Valley, though. There's no campsites. Yeah. There's just a lodge. Um, and you could stay at the, I believe it's the cottage at Brandywine as well, um, if you're into that. Um, I also know in the area, people say if you're also in this area, Hawking Hills in Ohio isn't too far away, is also kind of worth it to check out. It sounds like that it's got a lot, not just in the park, but in the area as well. So, um, right. it's definitely, it's definitely probably the worth the visit. Well, and when I, you know, always go to your national park website, outdoor activities, right? They got hiking, they got biking, they got paddling the river, they got birding, they got picnicking, they got fishing, they got horseback riding, they got questing. 
Uh, there's even questing in the park. There's a self-guided activity. Night sky viewing. There's winter activities. And golfing. I can't believe they have a nearby golf. Yeah, questing? right there in the park as well. Did you say questing? Yeah, do you want me to click on that one? Yes. Yeah, what is questing? I don't even know what that is. What is questing? Having adventures in the Ohio and Erie Canalway. Put on your sleuthing hat and follow rhyming clues and a curious map to a hidden quest box. Along the way, discover the area's treasures, the natural and cultural gems of this natural national heritage area. Unlike geocaching, no GPS unit is needed and no trinkets are exchanged. When you find a quest box, collect its unique stamp, sign its logbook, and put it back in place for others to discover. Uh, oh, each year, okay, the quest okay. it runs from April 15th to November 15th, and you can visit the Ohio and Erie Canalways questing page for current information and to download quest. Printed quests are available at the Boston Mill Visitor Center. Okay, okay, that, that makes that makes sense. Now uh, it's kind of like a geocache or the marble hunting or um, stuff like that. I'm thinking when I first heard questing, I was like, "Are you taking the One Ring to Mordor or something? Like, what's up with that?" <laughs> or I was thinking maybe like Dungeons and Dragons in the park, or what's that? What's the LARPing? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the LARPing. That's right. I have. They probably do it there. Um. Who knows? I mean, there's a park. It's a place to do it. You know, you can, yeah. even in the winter, like I said, ice fishing, sledding, the ice fishing. I can't believe that. If it gets uh, cold enough to where you can get snow, it's probably cold enough you get ice on the lake. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. I, you know, I'm more and more surprised. And I do say, you know, I've had those conversations because I've been spending a lot of time with Matt, buddy. But like, Ohio is one of those places that's like I kind of like yeah I don't mind going back there it's it's not bad you know there's stuff to do there's just people um if you don't mind people there's good there's good things to do uh in those areas especially if you can get outside I mean there's there's good places everywhere I, that's why people probably mm -hmm. established you know living there in the first place <laughs> right yeah they didn't just stop to stop although you, coming out west they did they stopped because they were like, fuck, I'm getting destroyed. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> well, that's that's called Denver. <laughs> when you look at Denver, it makes so much sense that like because it's interesting. And I, I know that 1883 isn't like exact. Right. But they do a good job of trying to represent maybe what an Oregon Trail feeling could have been like and the way of like leaving Texas, leaving Fort Worth and making your way north from there and going to like the Oregon Trail, essentially how you're going to get up and you're cutting through in those Rocky Mountains. And depending on when winter hit, you know, you're stopping in certain places. And I feel like Denver just, you know, is like not bad here. We can chill here. Yeah. Um, and, and you look at it as like too, like there in Wyoming, the the native territory was a lot of it was seceded um so so they were able to establish you know why is there no reservations in colorado i mean there is but not right not in colorado really i didn't know that that's a that's a new fact for me it's like down by like the four corners area is where the reservation is but like you tell me there wasn't natives living in denver you know what i mean like how pristine that great plains was it's all pushed to oklahoma 
So when you're thinking about that Oregon Trail, 1880s, which is after mm-hmm. 1860s, the reservation era, how they're establishing that. Um, interesting. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, over 900 plant species are found in Cuyahoga uh, National Park, as well as 194 species of birds, 91 aquatic microinvertebrates, 43 different fish, 32 mammals, 22 amphibians, and 20 species of reptiles. Uh, the animals included are uh, raccoons, muskrats, coyotes, skunks, red foxes, beavers, peregrine falcons, river otters, bald eagles, opossums, three species of moles, white-tailed deer, Canadian geese, gray foxes, minks, great blue herons, and seven species of bats. I know it's not on the list that I read off, but I'm willing to bet there's black bear. You know, there's always a black bear. No, uh, not always. True, we're not in Hawaii. Um yeah. but I feel like in that area you get them, especially with the, if there's a golf course nearby, there's always a black bear nearby. If there's a golf oh, 100%. course. 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely there's definitely going to be a black. <laughs> but like they I was it's funny cuz you're like Black bears will live up in Alaska where it's cold and snowy. They'll live down in New Mexico. They'll live down in Tennessee and Georgia where it's hot and humid. Like yeah, no, them and uh, black bears and coyotes have figured out where just to live everywhere. And what if I'm going to throw raccoons in there too? Yeah, they, yeah, no, they're they're up there too. They <laughs> those guys are smart bastards. They've all adapted in ways of just like that. But I'm I, I believe you're right because I would also probably throw in if 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 there are mountain lions or cougars or whatever they may call them in that area. Uh, around, I'm sure that would be a spot. You know, if 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 P32 eight, was it 32 down in 32 Hollywood. mammals, yeah, P32, right? That was right for the the mountain lion in Hollywood Hills. Was his name P32? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it was something like that. I thought he, um, like if he's able to live there, I'm sure there's you know mountain lions probably in this area just based on the woodlands of of the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, there probably is a kitty cat there um, for sure. So if you go, watch out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone thinking it's the dog man or Bigfoot. No, it's the kitty cat. Yeah. Yeah, the dog man. <laughs> uh, no. Probably probably decent, decent Bigfoot activity uh, in the area. I mean, if there's an area, you got the Ohio Bigfooters. Yeah. Yeah. You know that is the thing. There's um, a chance. There's usually always a chance. (laughs) Kind of a small park in reality. uh, When you look at it, you know, it's kind of a newer park in that sense. Um, But a good story, I think, when you look at Cuyahoga Valley. Um, I'm I'm glad I was able to attend it because, like you said, like you're like, I don't know if I'd prioritize it, but you do want to see all the national parks. It's like, I already got that one checked, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I, there's parks that you haven't gone to that I have. So. I know, but I mean, like, it's one of those ones that's like, like, do I need to go back? Oh, I, well, well, I yeah, right. Now I have to go out of my way to get there to see this park. And you're like, nah, I'm going to skip this trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like there's some of those parts, like some of those Alaska parks I know you've been to that I haven't. You're probably like, I'll go back. Yeah, I would. I would go back to those. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, but I, I, I would, I would go back to the Ohio area because, you know, when you look at that and what you can get into, like from Michigan there even, and what you can get into, like, up, I want to get up in that upper peninsula. Oh, up there. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I, I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of just this area that I think would be really cool to go see. Right. Right. So there, there's just too much land and not enough time. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And and there's no time when it comes to exploring all these parks. Yeah. Which is a which is a real bummer. But anyway, what's a bigger, bigger bummer is uh I've got to be that guy. Of course. You um do. I know. It's we're getting to that time. It's uh time for final words. So final words, my guy. You said four final words. Yeah, four F O R, not F O U R. Keep always exploring today. <laughs> Just keep adventuring, guys. Keep getting at it. Keep figuring it out. Keep going where you need to go. Have fun with it. Go visit these other parks you may not have heard about. Kind of, you know, the vibes I get from this one, I feel like, are kind of like that Shenandoah Park in Virginia where you see the bridge as like the main attraction. Oh, yeah. Um, I do want to check it out because you hear good things. Um, but it, it makes you question it, especially when you, you know, you look at like a Yellowstone. Like, that's the thing, man. I, I, I feel bad because I like I'm the guy here. It's like I compare everything to Yellowstone, you know, because it's in my back backyard. And it's interesting to do that because I know people do that where they're from, you know, they compare like, Oh, this is a national park, you know? So, Oh, wow. There's nothing like those parks or, Oh, wow. You know? So it's different. It's the conversation. So I don't know, just go have fun. Keep exploring, find little parks like this, find big parks. I know we're going to find some parks in uh, Iceland. I hope we find some city parks too, that we've never even known about. Yeah, no, there will be some cool shit there for sure. Uh, reverence, final words of wisdom. Stay beautiful, everybody. I can't tell you how much I appreciate every single one of you for listening all the way through and listening to all of the other episodes. You know, give us the like, follow, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this, or if you listen to it when it comes out, uh, we're getting pretty dang gone, gone close to being in Iceland. Uh, I think we're in two weeks from when this comes out, we're there doing the thing in Iceland, uh, Iceland, which is mostly green. So uh, make sure you follow along again. Thank you so much. Stay beautiful. Get outside. And uh, with that being said, <laughs> peace out, everybody. Bye.